Imagine how much better the world would be if we respected one another. Well today, Ethan Broom, our middle school minister, is going to be bringing us a message in this series, Different Than Me. He's gonna help us understand the Bible's teaching about what it means to respect other people who are different than we are. I know you're gonna enjoy what Ethan has to say. message in this series, Different Than Me. He's going to help us understand the Bible's teaching about what it means to respect other people who are different than we are. I know you're going to enjoy what Ethan has to say. Good morning, Alice Drive. Oh yeah, y'all definitely had y'all's Chick-fil-A this morning. Hey, good morning, good morning. Good morning to everybody watching online. If you didn't have your Chick-fil-A this morning, you can go drive and get it. All right, all right. Hey, uh, my name is Ethan Broom. I'm the middle school minister here at Alice Drive uh, Baptist Church. That's right. Um, I've been here for a little over a year, and a year and 25, 26 days. And uh, I heard one time that gratitude unexpressed is ingratitude. And so right now I just want to say to you guys how thankful I am and express that gratitude. As a church, some of you guys, most of you guys have made me feel so welcomed, made this feel like home, and I'm super thankful for each and every one of you sitting in these seats um, to love me well. I appreciate that. Being young in my first year in ministry, you guys have done an exceptional job, exceeded my expectations, but another group of people that have exceeded my expectations, which they are part of this church, but it's a staff here at Alice Drive Baptist Church. From Pastor Clay trickling on down to my sidekick, Joe Beth and Matt Sprinkle. The leadership at Alice Drive Baptist Church is phenomenal. It's incredible. Um, we all have that one mission, and that's we exist to help as many people as possible take their next step towards Jesus. And from everything that I've seen in a year and 25 days, we have done everything possible, and there has been no boundaries to helping as many people as possible take their next step towards Jesus. And I am so thankful I'm a part of this team. So if you will, uh, I'm gonna pray for us as a church, and we're gonna dive in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, uh, and thank you for sending us... Um, and allowing us to be in this community uh, where thousands of people have not heard the name of Jesus, but we get the opportunity to help them hear the name of Jesus and bring them in to these doors and help them grow in their relationship with him. Lord, I pray for this body, this church, and every member in the seats today that they can take this message and apply it to their life and grow in their relationship with you. I pray that nothing that is said from this pulpit uh, does not glorify you. I pray that it all glorifies you and points back to you. Um, so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for sending your son for us. In your name I pray. Amen. So, we're in week two of this series called Different Than Me, um, and we're diving into Romans 14 um, to learn about people that are different than us. And as you heard Pastor Clay say, I got respect, um, and I'm going to teach you how to love and respect others in matters that don't matter. So, uh, before we dive into the context of Romans 14... And the verses, uh, I've been teaching my middle schoolers on Wednesday nights in our Bible study. I've been teaching my middle schoolers the Old Testament. And starting in the Old Testament, the first verse is Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, some people just skim past that, but I'm like, there's something we can learn here, guys. This is creation. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. Time, space, and matter, all at one time, what? 
creates something. So there's creation. Well, then it creates all these questions like, hey, we're created in God's image and this and this, and you say if all this is wrong, then it kind of it makes everything else in the Bible like fall apart and creation matters and being created in his image matters. In the first gospel you see in Genesis 3, matters. And I say, yes, it does matter. Yes, it does matter. And then these questions arise like, well, then how, how do we prove to somebody that God exists? Who created God? I'm like, you guys have great questions. So I show them by looking at humans' desires and the things of the world, how we can prove to other people that God exists. How we can prove to other people that God exists. And I'm like, this is important. Let's say atheist Andy, hypothetical, comes up to you at school and we create this situation. We kind of walk through it every Wednesday. I say, if he comes up to you and he wants to know if God is real, you can prove to him that God exists and maybe help him take that first step towards Jesus. That's super important. That's a debate or that's an argument or that's a conversation worth having. That's something that you can disagree in that moment, but you can help them and that matters to stand strong in your faith. But contrary to that, there's things that y'all tend to argue about or we as humans tend to argue about that really don't matter. They're not essential and it's not worth arguing, but we do anyway. For instance, a good example is taste buds. Listen, uh, the best food on the planet is a liver mush egg and cheese sandwich smothered in mayonnaise on a bun hot on the way to the deer stand in the morning, right? I know y'all love liver mush. That's my favorite food. I got a thumbs up. Praise God. We're following Jesus. He loves us well. So that's my favorite food. But some of you in the room are like, liver mush is disgusting. Okay, I can't change your mind. I can't change your taste buds. It's not worth arguing about. It's not getting worth getting bent out of shape to try to prove to you that liver mush is the best food, right? There's some things that are not worth arguing. Y'all get my point? Some things worth arguing, some things not worth arguing. Well, that's what Paul is saying here. Paul in Romans 14, he's saying, listen, there are some things worth arguing about, but this is something that's not worth arguing about that you guys are arguing about. He's writing with this main idea, and this is the main idea for us today, is to love and respect others in matters that do not matter. Love and respect others in matters that do not matter. Paul is writing to Jews and Gentiles because they're, they're fighting. There's quarreling in the church, okay? Jews went away for a certain period of time. Gentiles taking over. Jews come back. Who's in control? Who's got it? And they're fighting. And so I, I like to explain it by using a pendulum example. Some of you have heard me put it this way, but it's like a pendulum. On this side, you have the Jews. The Jews are like, hey, the ceremonial laws, I can eat this, I can only worship on this day, this is the way I'm gonna live, and you have to obey these laws. Contrary to that, on this side of the pendulum, there are Gentiles. And Gentiles are like, hey, Jesus died for us, 1 Timothy 4, 4, all things are created for his good, we can have fun, we can enjoy that freedom, that Christian liberty that we have. And so the, the harm in this side, on the Gentile side, is, is some of them will say, oh, we got a license to sin. Some of us in the room may be living like that too, is we have this license to sin. Jesus died for me, I'm saved, he's forgiven me of my sins, so I can live however I want, do whatever I want, and I can be forgiven. Well, no, that's not how it works. It's somewhere in the middle right there is that Christian liberty. And that's the strong in faith. Paul in Romans 14, he's talking to two groups of people, the Jews and Gentiles, but one is strong in faith, and the strong in faith are those that understand they have that liberty. They have that freedom to live as they do as long as they do it unto the Lord. They're not enslaved to the diets or the holy days. And then the Jews in this passage are considered the weak in faith because they're immature, immature believers who felt obligated that they had to follow those rules. 
So immediate context, going into Romans, it's important to look around it. So if you remember in Romans 12, one and two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? By the renewal of your mind. So that's Romans 12, one. And what Paul is saying here is in 12 through 15, he's talking about when you've been transformed by the gospel and you have that renewal of your mind, you will live and love others. So in 14, one through 15, Three, he's specifically talking about that character of transformation, love. Love in matters that do not matter. Love in matters that do not matter. So there's those strong in faith and there's the weak in faith. They're arguing about stuff that really do not matter. But what Paul is saying is love each other despite your disagreements. It makes me think of when I went to North Greenville University over there on Highway 11, don't speed on that road by the way, but on Highway 11, McGregor Orchard on the side of it, little mountains, couple apple trees. I worked there, made a little bit of moolah on the side. And I, one of my main jobs that I had in the season, I would pick the apples and put them in my little sack, pick them, pick them, take them up. We'd sort them, good, bad, make things with them. So as I was picking all these apples, I had no idea when I started working at this orchard, there was so many different flavors of apples. John of Golds, Granny Smith's, Gala's, I mean, I'm forgetting now because I only listen half the time, but there's a lot of different apples, y'all, a ton of different apples, and they all taste different. And so if I'd pick one, I'm like, ooh, what is this? Is this the Arkansas black or a pink lady? And I'd bite it, and if it was good, oh yeah, I'd eat that whole thing, gain some weight while I was there. If it was bad, I threw it out, right? But then that got me thinking this week as I'm preparing for this, I look back, I'm like, what if all apples tasted the same? And I'm relating that to us as a church and in our relationships. See, we begin relationships with other people and it has that root of the word and it's relate because we relate to somebody. We find the common interest. Okay, we like to go fishing, but what if we disagree on something? Well, that's what Paul is saying right here is we can love each other despite our differences. But what if all apples were the same? How boring would that be? So how does that relate to how I transferred this little analogy? Well, I was thinking in our relationship with God, what if God was just whoever we wanted him to be and agreed with us all the time? Would he really be God or would he just be something we created in our own minds? That wouldn't be the one true God. Same way, when we have relationship with other people, if everybody agreed with Ethan, then the world will be a boring place and I would just have a relationship with a bunch of Ethans, right? There's no, there's no, there's no grace, there, there's no anything we can apply to people who think the same as us. They're just the same as us. That's no fun. And so on Fridays at the Apple Orchard, Apple Cider Fridays, we'd put a bunch of the apples, some that I didn't like, some that I liked, into this big old like balloon thing, and juice would come out. Free samples, y'all. I got the free samples. But we'd sell it, make money. It was really good. So all these apples, some I didn't like, some I liked, made one thing, and it was good. That's like the church, y'all. Many different people sitting in this room, each and every one of y'all are different and have different opinions about different things. But we all come together as one body, as Alice Drive Baptist Church, everybody watching online, Alice Drive Baptist Church, we're all different, but we create one body, right? And it's important that we focus on what matters the most and don't argue on things that don't matter. We need to love and respect one another in our differences. So let's read Romans 14, verses five through 12. One person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. 
So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So before I go dive in verse by verse, verses five through nine, it's important as we just read here, you heard the word Lord eight times. So you know, if you have children, if your parents in the room, you grab them and you're like, repeat after me, repeat after me. Or when they get in trouble, the old timey punishment I had to do is I had to write a hundred times, right? I will not, blah, 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 blah. Repetition is key here. So he's the Lord, the word Lord is repeated eight times in these verses. That plays a significance as we read through this. So what he's saying is, is whether you treat this day as holy, whether you treat that day as holy, whether you eat this or don't eat that, as long as you do it unto the Lord and honor the Lord and glorify the Lord in what you're doing, it's okay. Each person is gonna be fully convinced in their own mind, and that's okay. Let every man see to it to live for the Lord's sake rather than their brother who's judging them, right? Don't live based off that prejudice, based off that bias. Live in honor of the Lord's sake. You wanna honor him. The Lord is very important here in these verses. Verse five says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He brings up this issue of days and whether he's referring to the Sabbath or some Jewish holiday, whatever position one takes, Paul says each should be fully convinced in his own mind and based off his conscience, he can choose what is right and be fully convinced in his mind. And so to clarify, as a body of believers, if somebody has fallen into habitual sin or they're in grievous sin or they have a, they're a fallen believer, we do. We, we, are, we are asked in Galatians 6.1 to live that out and go, hey, here, and, and, and help them, pick them up and help them take their next step towards Jesus, help them back in their walk with the Lord. But that's not what is happening here in these verses. Paul is not saying that they've fallen into grievous sin. He's, just, he's not saying that they're fallen believers. He's saying because they're just a little bit different, here you are judging, but it's not because of sin. It's because maybe the stronger Christians cut their grass on a Sunday and the weak Christians are upset about it, but that's not sin. It's not sin to sit at home and watch on online and, and judge them. You see where I'm going? We judge people for things that don't really matter. And that's what he's saying. He's going, how dare you do that? That's not a sin. That's not, they're not fallen. They just live differently than you, but they still do it in honor of the Lord. They're fully convinced in their mind. And it reminds me, uh, growing up, I'm a big, huge outdoorsman. Hunting fish is what I do. So my dad had this rule growing up that was absolutely zero hunting and or cutting grass on a Sunday. You couldn't do it. Sundays, don't go hunting. If you do, you get struck by lightning. That's what I was told, right? Sundays for the Lord, you cannot hunt, right? And so I was on that side of the pendulum. I was like, all right, I'm not going hunting on a Sunday. Won't ever do it. Promise, Dad. Well, here I am, full-time ministry for a year, and I have found so much peace and freedom and time with the Lord when I go hunting. And so when I was young, if somebody would say, yeah, I hunt on a Sunday or that's my time with the Lord, I'd kind of look at Dad and be like, they're in for it, right, Dad? Like, that's wrong. 
And we would just bond over that. Be like, no, that's not okay. You, there's no way you can spend time with the Lord. You gotta focus. You gotta call the ducks when they're working. You ain't got time to, to pray and to really relax. And I never understood their point. But now that I'm here on this side and I understand, I've, I even took a nap in the deer stand this year, y'all. I never have done that before. But that's just where I find peace. I do find time with the Lord. I have time to relax. And I'm fully convinced in my own mind that I can spend time with the Lord now when I'm hunting. What's that mean? It doesn't mean I was right either way right? It, it's not worth arguing about. As long as I honor the Lord, everything's going to be okay. And I got to respect others' view if they think differently than me. First point, love and respect others who do not think like you. Love and respect others who do not think like you. Verse six says, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. And the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and he gives thanks to God. In verse six, Paul right here, he's underscoring the proper Christian motivation. He's going, hey, to honor the Lord. Again, eight times in these verses, to honor the Lord. He, that's our Christian motivation, to honor the Lord in everything we do. That means that every Christian in the room today, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, everything you do should be to honor the Lord. What's that mean? That means that everybody around you should see that the Lord, the Lordship of Jesus and his preeminence over you, your choices, all your choices should point back to him. You're not doing anything for yourself, but doing it for him. This is the key for both the weak and the strong Christians here. They need to honor the Lord without criticizing or condemning one another. As long as they're seeking that Christian motivation to honor the Lord, we should be living in a way that does so. So an interesting illustration of this truth is found in John 21, um, verses 15 through 25. And it's when Jesus restores um, Peter to his place as an apostle. So Jesus says, hey, Peter, follow me. So what's Peter do? Well, Peter begins walking behind him and following Jesus, just like he was told. Well, then he hears something behind him, and it's John, the apostle John. And he goes, hey, Jesus, uh, what about John? And, and Jesus says this to him. Peter looked at him, he said, what should this man do? Jesus looked at him and he said, what is that to you? Follow me. In other words, Peter, you make sure you have made me Lord of your life and let me worry about John. What, and, and, and whenever I hear believers in the church and Christians argue about something they disagree with and something that is not essential essential or forbidden in the word. I'm like, why are you arguing? What is that to you? Just let the Lord be Lord of your life, follow him and lead them to follow him as well. If they feel differently about that, don't, what is that to you? Don't worry. Just continue to follow Jesus and respect others. Point number two, love and respect others is a fruit of following the Lord. It's a fruit from following the Lord. You'll learn to love and respect others from following the Lord. Verses seven through nine say, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So Paul is elaborating right here what he said in six about to honor the Lord and that Christian motivation. That's what verse seven through nine is. He's talking about Christ's lordship and the preeminence over our decisions. We shouldn't live for our own self-interest, but for the interests of Christ, the one who died and rose that he may be Lord of all. So whether in life or death, Christ owns us, therefore our conduct should please him. 
And so the Roman Christians right here were trying to dictate to one another how one should treat each other in debatable matters. But Paul calls for this liberty from both groups to say, live under the lordship of Jesus and allow him to be the judge. Y'all quit judging each other. Quit, quit arguing about things that do not matter. Let the lordship of Jesus be over you all and you live in the ways that you are convinced in your own mind to live. The lordship of Jesus is being stressed here, not to live on the self-interests of ourselves, but to the interests of Christ. Makes me think of um, grace-based parenting. Has anyone in the room ever heard of grace-based parenting? One, two, three, four. Oh, I got a lot of hands this time. The first service, I got one. Second service, I got two. Y'all, y'all are killing it. Y'all are awesome. All right, grace-based parenting, right? It's so, what it is, in summary, to those who don't know, is it's just applying a little bit more grace to your children in your parenting role. You're just giving them more grace, okay? That easy. So it's easy to give grace to someone you love and your children, right? That's easy to think of. Like, okay, it may be a hard concept to grasp and you may, it may be a challenge to implement it, but you easily accept that and say, yeah, I can give more grace to my kids in my parenting role. Okay, well, what about grace-based arguing? Think with me, grace-based arguing. So you're arguing with somebody, you're having a conversation, you're having a disagreement right? And, and you're, telling me, uh, you're telling me to have grace. Yes. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but grace-based arguing. Think with me. I learned this, and I thought about this as I was preparing this. Um, I was at once in my life, my favorite job, I was a manny, which a nanny, but I'm a man, so manny. I had three kids, one middle school boy, two little girls in elementary school, and I loved it. Literally so awesome. I learned so much about being whatever, a parent, I guess you could say, a manny. Uh, I learned a lot about children and how they live, so I'm super excited to have kids. Um, so, anyway, I learned that kids will argue over the goofiest things of all time, things that literally don't matter at all. So, for instance, in the car, um, Sally or Annie may be sitting in the back, and we pick up Ty from the middle school, and he's wanting to ride shotgun. And Annie will say, hey, uh, I called that a week and three days ago that I would get shotgun on this day if this song was playing on the radio. So I got it. Get in the back. I'm like, get in the back. Just get in the car. Let's go. Or if there's a water in the fridge, uh, that water's mine. Why'd you touch that water? And they're crying, screaming at each other, yelling at each other. There's 18 more waters in the fridge. Quit worrying about the water. They would just argue about the goofiest things. Who could read faster? Who could do this? Who could do that? And I learned a lot. But what I learned is, is in a lot of ways, how they would argue about things that don't matter, we do the same thing. When we're trying to prove our point to somebody, when we're trying to get our point across in an argument, we sound a lot like those kids in all honesty because we're not worried about what matters most. We're worried about getting our point across, right? And so who in the room is thinking, you crazy, get in the back. How many times has that happened to me? I don't know. Hope not many, but I know it's been many because I'm a sinner. Think this through with me, you guys. Think this through with me. If I'm accepted by God and so are you, if I'm accepted by God and so are you, then our utmost priority is to believe it and help others believe it. Every argument I engage in is subservient to that aim. I don't need to be as concerned with letting others know that I'm right as much as letting them know that they're loved. I don't need to be as concerned with letting them know that I'm right rather than letting them know that they're loved. Now listen, truth and love do go hand in hand, yes. But let's be honest, be honest. How often are you really concerned about loving others with the truth that you're sharing? 
How often are you really concerned about loving others with the truth that you're sharing? To, to put it simply, grace, it makes us better, grace-based arguing, it makes us better listener. It helps us clear out the own condemning voices in our own heads. To do what? To do our utmost priority and to let them know that they're accepted by God and so are you. Here, let me lead you to his feet. Let me lead you to him. Take my hand. Let's not, let's not quarrel and argue about something that doesn't matter. That's grace-based arguing. Grace-based arguing, it's tough and it's not easy, but it's possible. And I've realized this in my life when it comes to grace-based arguing. And I hope you guys do too when you think about it. And that's this, God blesses people who you disagree with. God blesses people who you disagree with. He blessed people who I disagree with. That third point is love and respect others by pointing them to Christ. It's of our utmost priority to point them to Christ. And so what matters, why does it matter to get our point across if it's not out of love and leading them to Christ? Love and respect others by pointing them to Christ. That's the best way we can do it, to love and respect others. Verse 10 says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Paul is reminding us here that one day we're all gonna stand before the judgment seat of God. And we're ultimately accountable to God for everything that we have done, for ourselves and no other person's faulty judgment. We're accountable to ourselves. So in verse 11, he's just backing that up. In Isaiah 45, 23, he's mentioning that here. He's highlighting that the judgment of God is at the end of history. And he's reiterating that point again in verse 12. So when you choose, when you choose a position on a debatable issue, do so with the sovereign Lord in mind. God will judge, so live your life accordingly. God will judge, so live your life accordingly. When you choose a position on a debatable issue, do so with the sovereign Lord in mind. He's saying that the judgment seat of Christ is coming. Don't be worried about them. Be worried about you. And let, what was he focusing on? Six, seven through nine? He's saying the lordship of Jesus has authority over your life. That's how you can love and respect others. So how do you prepare for the judgment seat of Christ? By having him be Lord over your life. How do you prepare for that? By making Jesus Lord of your life and faithfully obeying him. Instead of judging other Christians, we had better judge our own lives and make sure we are ready to meet Christ at the judgment seat. Listen, listen in. By making Jesus Lord of your life and faithfully obeying him. Making Jesus Lord of your life, faithfully obeying him, faithfully obeying him. I put it to my middle scores like this. Some of you have heard me put it this way. Listen, on June 26, 2012, I became a Christian. I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. Many of you in the room today are Christians, followers of Jesus, and you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Okay, when I explain it to my middle schoolers, there's good news. What is that? You accept Jesus as what? Lord and Savior. That's two different things, Lord and Savior, okay? He's both, but it's two it means two different things. To accept him as savior of your life is, hey, Jesus lived, he lived a perfect life, he didn't sin. He died, he took our place, he defeated sin and death and he rose again on the third day and he lives forever in heaven and all authority has been given to him on heaven and on earth. And if you believe and put your faith in that, you too will be saved. Who doesn't wanna be saved when they hear the good news like that? Uh, nobody, everybody wants to go to heaven 
Everybody wants to go to heaven. So when I present it that way and I present that all you have to do is believe in him and he is your savior, I'm raising this hand, right? Everybody in the room wants to be saved. They don't wanna live in hell forever. They wanna live in heaven, right? I'm raising this hand. Actually, I'm raising this hand too and I'm raising a foot that excites me so much, right? Everybody wants to be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news. But listen, listen, accept Jesus as Lord and what? Savior, that's the savior part. Accepting him as Lord means that you take that crown off your head. You've been living your life for your own self-interest. This is the bad news because it's hard to live this way. It's hard to place your crown and lay it at his feet and say, Lord, I'm gonna focus on what you want me to focus on and I'm not gonna live the way I wanna live anymore. I don't have that license to sin anymore. I'm not gonna live and continue to live in the way that I've lived in the past. I'm gonna follow you and wherever you lead me, I will follow. It's not easy. You gotta take up your cross daily and follow him. It's not easy. It's not easy to, for him to be Lord over your life and to have the authority of your life. It's not easy to follow that daily, but guess what? You have to faithfully obey him and follow him, Lord and savior of your life. How do you get ready for the day of judgment? By making him Lord and savior of your life. We, of course we want him to be our savior. Yes, he is, but we have to faithfully obey him. Paul explained that they did not have to give an account for anyone else but themselves. So make sure that your account will be a good one. And he's stressing this principle of lordship and Jesus having the authority over your life. So make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, but also let him be Lord in the lives of other Christians as well. Last point, love and respect others by letting him be Lord of your life and in the lives of other Christians as well. It reminds me of this, and I don't claim to be any kind of singer, okay? And the soundboard, you can help me out, make me sound better. But it makes me think of this song, When Jesus is Lord of Our Life, okay? We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of your mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, right? Right, we fall down, what do we do? We get down on our knees, we can't do it anymore, so we take our crowns, we lay it at the feet of Jesus. That's our self-interest, the way we wanna live, the way we desire to live, the way we as humans in the flesh wanna live. We lay it down at his feet, that's our crown, laying it down at his feet, and we say, Lord, you have the authority over my life, I will live my life the way you want me to live my life because I love you and because your sacrifice was so good, I want you to be Lord and savior of my life. Guess what? The greatness of your mercy and love is found there. So guess what? We as a church, as Alice Drive Baptist Church, should live out that gospel as a church in love and respect in matters that don't matter. How do we do that? Exactly that. Listen, there's lost people that come through those doors every single Sunday that do not know Jesus, and there's some in here in this room today. And we're worried about arguments that don't really matter and things that don't really matter, and there is one thing that matters. That's making Jesus Lord of your life and pointing them to him. Guess what? Hey, hey, let me, let me go to work. Let me go into the community. Let me go into the community of Sumter who has 15,000 public school students in this district. Hey, here, come here. Let me show you the mercy and love that I've, that I've seen at the feet of Jesus. Lamentations 3 says his mercies are new every single morning and he loves us so much. Why is that not our utmost priority to lead other people to his feet and say, look how good he is? There's people in the room today that don't know Jesus. So Christians, Alice Drive Baptist Church, people watching online, I urge you, I'm begging you, I'm telling you, if there's somebody in the room in this church that you've had a disagreement with, somebody that you disagree with or you've been holding resentment in your heart towards, I encourage you today 
to apply this and go apologize. Apologize for the resentment that, they ha- that you have in your heart for them. Maybe they did you wrong, guess what? How many times have we done Jesus wrong and he forgives us? Live that out. Apply it to your life today. Why? Because there's lost people in our community, thousands, and we have the opportunity to help them take their first step towards Jesus. Lay it all down. Lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. Let him be Lord of your life and love and respect others in matters that don't matter. Let's pray. Lord, there's a community of people that do not know your name, that do not know you, all the way to the ends of the earth, thousands of people in our workplace, in our community, in our schools, Lord, everywhere around us. I pray that each and every person in the room today um, will go and take the gospel to those places. We'll love and respect others despite our differences, despite our different backgrounds. We can see that there is one utmost priority, and that is to love and honor you and let your name be known to the end of the earth. Lord, can we lay down our pride? Can we set our side of pride at your feet and love and trust in you to go and share the gospel in places and and to people that do not know your name? Lord, I pray for this church. I pray and I know that revival is taking place across the world and and there's a movement going on. Lord, I pray.